This is Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. At times, saying hello and goodbye can be difficult. Dealing with career struggles can also be a challenge. Watching your mother deconstruct in front of you can be a nightmare. Jen Bauer took these challenges head on. A major career change from marketing and Intel to now a life coach, Jennifer has found peace in her life. You can find Jen at her website at jenbauerhealing.com. So I hang up on her. I'll call you later. I'll call you when finals are done. And her last response is, you know, just know that I love you. And I'm hang up. Don't even say goodbye. I'm so annoyed. I just want to focus. Why do you keep calling me? That's what's going through my mind. Ants show up at my, at my work the next day. And they say, we've got some bad news. And I knew just listening to their voices and looking at their faces what had happened. And I immediately, my, my legs just completely gave out and I just screamed this guttural, I've never heard that sound come out of my body in, except for that one moment in time was just this no that came from the deepest part of my being. And it was just screaming and I couldn't stop screaming because I knew exactly what happened. She committed suicide and it was done. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. We've had such guests who have been awarded the Silver Star, Emmy winners, and a cancer survivor, Maggie Weston. So I was supposed to have the surgery on March 13th to have both of my implants removed, just let my body rest for six months to a year. And I got the call literally on March 12th at 5 p.m. saying that they were canceling all um, cosmetic surgery because of COVID. (laughs) Go to Just a Good Conversation for all our archives. Let's have a quick break for a sponsor before our conversation with Jennifer Bauer. Jennifer, thank yes. you for stopping by today. Thank you for having me. This is great to catch up. It is. It's been a while. Well, like four years. Yeah. Since I've seen you in person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This, this is good. Yeah, this is nice. How are you? I'm fantastic. Yeah? You getting through COVID okay? Yeah. You look great. Thank you. You haven't Likewise. aged a day since I've seen you. <laughs> I've got a gray beard. You look like you're still 12. I'm gorgeous. How do you pull that it's off? the hair dye. It's a- <laughs> <laughs> Always works for women. Yes, it does. <laughs> so good. Makes it easy. Yeah. So I want to get to know you on this podcast because you made a huge life change. I made like, a giant one. Yeah, 180. Yeah. Completely. If there was more than half, that's what you did. <laughs> <laughs> but let's, let's get some backstory, right? Because okay. now we'll uh, we'll let the cat out of the bag. You used to be my former boss. Yes. To the people that are listening. So now the tables are turned and I get to ask all kinds of fun questions. Yes. <laughs> So hot seat. Yeah, hot seat. Tell me about you growing up. What was it like? What was oh. little what was little Jennifer like? Oh my goodness. I was into all kinds of things outdoors. So climbing trees, trying to get from one tree to the next tree. <laughs> I, tree climber. <laughs> tree climber. Absolutely. But no, I just wanted to do everything outdoors. And so it was bike riding and Walking on stilts and digging in the mud. Walking and on stilts? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of Did fun. you have brothers and sisters? I'm the oldest of seven. Oldest of seven? Yes. Wow. Yes, but I, I only grew up with three other siblings. Still, seven. That's just a big number. It is a, yeah. It's... Remember all their names. <laughs> and birthdays. And birthdays, yeah. Thank yeah. God for eye calendar. Yeah, well, the youngest one's 10 years apart, and then I just count up from there, so it makes it easy. Easy wow. gen math. So are there... <laughs> Like Common Core, <laughs> yes. is there? Are there? Was was there brother, sister, sister, brother? How's that work out? I have a full sister, three half brothers, a half sister, and an adopted sister. Wow, do you just 
they got them, not you, General, it wasn't your, it was, that's a lot of remembering. <laughs> yes, it was a lot. It Just is. the number you did right there, two, three and a half. And four. Wow. That was fun. Have that many brothers and sisters, no? It was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have a, such a special relationship with my sister and the two brothers that I grew up with. I mean, they don't feel like half siblings in any right. way, shape or form. They are absolutely, you know, 100% part of my heart. Right. So. Yeah. yeah, we had a lot of fun. and Climbing trees and causing trouble. Yes, yes, indeed. And we had a menagerie, so it was every pet you could possibly think of, oh, God. we had. That family? We were that family. Lizards, I mean, it was birds, cats, dogs, rabbits. Yeah, quail, parrots, quail. chinchillas, <laughs> angora chinchillas. rabbits. Where the hell did you get a chinchilla? <laughs> <laughs> Where did you grow up? The zoo in LA? Orange County. Orange County Zoo. <laughs> Wow. I know. We probably could have had our own charged admission. Where in, where in Orange County? San Juan Capistrano. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. How was it, how was it growing up in that little teeny town? It smelled like horses. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think people, when they think of that, they just think of the mission. That's it. Yeah. They don't realize there's, there is a town. There is a city, and it's changed a ton and grown a ton since then. I mean, every all the hills that I used to kind of do hikes in are now... Neighborhoods. Neighborhoods yeah. and shopping malls and everything else. I mean, Ortega Highway, couldn't believe it when they created the other freeways through there. Right, yeah, that was... Where it was just open space and Casper's Park and camping and all kinds of fun stuff. Just good stuff. Now it's actually someone's house. Yes. You'd be climbing through. Yes. Sorry. Hi. Yeah. Sorry. I used to climb here and spend time there. Yeah, it's Southern Orange County has absolutely changed mm-hmm. in the last 30 years. It's nothing like when we grew up as kids. No. Not at all. Did you go to the uh, Lion Country Safari as a kid? No. Where was that? That was where Irvine Meadows was. You know where Irvine yeah, Meadows? Okay, yeah. so on the backside of Irvine Meadows. I would have loved that as a kid. There was Lion Country Safari where you were allowed to like drive your car. You would pay a fee and drive your car into the animal with the animals on a path. Huh. It's worth a good Google if anybody's listening. I think my parents would have never brought us because they knew that they would not be able to keep me in the car. It would have been like, hi, kitty cat. Yeah. I remember the first time we went with the YMCA and the rhinos were rubbing up against the school bus. Wow. Yeah. Like there's photos of, of cheetahs on top of your car. They would snap off your side mirrors. They would, you know, when you had antennas, they would, the monkeys would break them off. What have they done with all the animals? They all, well, some used to escape. That was part of the problem with the Irvine Meadows concert. Sometimes, like, some animals would get free. Oh. Yeah. And then they just, it was just insurance and liability. You can't have people literally driving through the safari park. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was bonkers. I can't believe it went on for as long as it did. It was. I would have loved that. Yeah. Thing. There's I actually right great old silent like film of it you know people like from their car from one to another and you're mm-hmm. just watching like an elephant you know in the distance and you're like i'm just in a small volkswagen i don't have a chance like this is not going to end well well that they allow that in south africa right well that's africa that's where the elephants are they're not supposed to be in irvine no. <laughs> but they do they let you drive through in your own car and whatever rental car you have and they just tell you to stay inside i mean but i think people need more no. warning than yes. that no <laughs> No, no. So where, where did you start to go to school? Where did you go to college? Ambul Elementary School. Okay, so, oh, sorry. Oh, you're, you're talking childhood, well, so no, I'm you, now answering want, Orange County stuff. Time, right? So yeah, you make your way through, and then you decide, what, high school? Where so am I, I went going to school? Santa Clara University up in Northern California. So okay. that's where my parents had met, actually, at Santa Clara University. Wow. My, my aunts were roommates. So my mom's sister and my father's sister 
we're both roommates and undergraduate there. So we're gonna need a chart for this. Yes, we, I know. <laughs> You're gonna map my entire family tree. We've got the siblings, and then we've got the aunts, and no. So I went up to Santa Clara University for undergraduate, and ended up just staying up there. And then I did grad school there as well. Did you enjoy your time there? I loved it. It's yeah. a beautiful campus. It is a beautiful campus. And I like that it was small and intimate. You got to know your professors, and there are you know, 35 people in a class instead of 300 people in a class. Right. Did, were there any other schools that you were thinking of, or was it because you, know, I, you just fell in love with it, and that's where you were going? It's kind of the place that I yeah had just had my heart set on, and I knew I was going to be close to my grandma and other family. Oh, they and up there? So, yep, they were all up there. Well, that makes it nice. Yeah. Thanksgivings, Easter's, whatever. Exactly. Just, drop in see grandma yeah and it was close it was far enough away that my parents couldn't just drop in on me at right. school but close enough that if i wanted to go home for the weekend i could right where what did they when they met up there right that's your parents met? my, my yes my biological parents okay they sh- divorced soon after that right and then, <laughs> <laughs> was that a red alert that maybe santa clara wasn't the place you still were all in <laughs> I mean, that's, that's interesting that you would go to the school where your parents met. That's a, you know, the odds are it's not. Well, I'm, if they hadn't met, I wouldn't be here. Well, if they go follow them to that school, what if they had gone to Bakersfield? Would you have gone there? Probably, Probably not. not. Yeah, no. no. Santa Clara is way prettier than Bakersfield. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so what did you study in school? Marketing. Okay. And you loved it? I did. I enjoyed the creative aspect of it. And I enjoyed business and I had a knack for that that side of business and and marketing kind of divides like there's all kinds of different kinds of marketing so what marketing field did you was it like corporate or like advertising marketing or what did it kind of i wanted to get into advertising i ended up getting into radio sales by okay. by complete accident accident how just filled out the wrong job application? (laughs) Well, I was looking for an internship for the summer, and there was a job fair on campus, and one of the radio stations was passing out bumper stickers and keychains, and we struck up a conversation, and they said, hey, why don't you, you know, come and be our sales assistant for the summer, and it was a cool radio station, and I enjoyed the music, and got to hang out with country artists and whatnot, and so I... That's great. I said, hey, let's let's do this. I'm going to get paid instead of an unpaid internship. And then then once the summer was over, they said, Hey, do you want to do this part time? And so I scheduled my classes around doing that. And then I was in town. Yeah. Oh, that's even better. It was down the street. Oh, it was in San Jose. So it was, it was perfect. And then by the time I graduated, it was when the dot-com bomb happened. So none of my, my peers at school could find jobs. And I had a very good paying job, so I just immediately went into radio sales. That's that's perfect. Yeah. You can't ask for anything better. Mm-mm. And that's how I ended up getting into sports, was one of my clients was the Arena and the Coliseum in Oakland. Oh, okay. And so they would, for all their concerts, buy radio ads. Right. So I worked with them, and then when they lost their marketing director, they said, hey, you want to come be our marketing director? And I said, sure, why not? Let's give this a try. Let's give this a try. I'll be on the client side instead of the sales side. Less of a hustle. How was that switching from what that client side to? So much easier. Was it? Yeah. And I felt like I was then doing marketing again. Okay. I mean, radio sales is, it's a sales job. Right. You're not necessarily helping companies market. You're selling them spots. And spots, ad spots. Right. Your air, you know, all that intangible. Right. So how was that switch? Did you, did you immediately take to it? And decide, yeah. I yeah. love this. I loved it. I had a, such a blast. So much fun working all the sporting events working all the concerts 
I mean, I definitely had the coolest job out of all my friends when you're in your early 20s, right? right? Yeah, absolutely. They're struggling for a job, and you're like, "Ah, it's my second one. (laughs) So how long did that last? Uh, Went from the arena in the Coliseum in Oakland, got laid off with the downturn, the recession in 2008, was laid off January 2009. Then I went to Nederlander Concerts. Okay. Um, They're big. Yep. They're big. They were reopening the San Jose Civic that had been dormant for about 15 years. Really? Why was it dormant? Just It just had gone unused. They were using it as like a gymnasium for high school events and swearing-in ceremonies and... You know, when people got their citizenship, right? it was kind of weird, random of things. But it had such a huge history of artists that had performed there. The Who had been there. Barbara Streisand had played there. This huge history, the Rolling Stones had played there at one point. And so they kind of lost all of that. So Nederlander did a joint venture with Team San Jose to reactivate the the facility but it was so old that we needed to redo seats and drapes and sound system and everything else Did and so Lanner come in with a paycheck and, or the checkbook and open it up and pretty much yeah wow <clears throat> but when you're ripping out seats and you can't have shows there's kind of no reason for a marketing director so i got laid off again <laughs> second time in about a year oh boy and then the last event that we had at the at the facility was strike force mixed martial arts Okay. And I knew the director of operations because he used to be my competitor. He used to run marketing for um, the San Jose arena. So I was up in Oakland. So we would partner up on events like Ringling Brothers and Disney on Ice and such. And then we were competitors for who could sell more tickets for those shows. (laughs) And then we'd also try to, you know, try to get this concert and they try to get that concert. We would compete for different concerts. So anyhow, we were had a friendly rivalry. And he was running operations, and he knew I was getting laid off. And he said, hey, come be our marketing director. And I'm like, I know absolutely nothing about fighting. It's bloody. It's gory. I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. Grown men getting the crap out of each other. I know everything about that. Sure. <laughs> but you know what? I fell in love with it, too. Yeah. It's, it is a very immediate, it's, addicted sport. Well, it's an honorable sport, too. When you actually get to know That's the true. athletes, they're not just guys beaten up on each other. I mean, they're, they have strong political opinions. They're spiritual. They, there's honor in it. They would they respect each they other, which a lot of people absolutely respect understand. each other. Yeah. I would see, um, you know, they'd have a championship fight and the, I wouldn't want to say the loser, but the person who lost the fight right. would show up at the, uh, at the celebration party of the winner and congratulate them and they'd hug it out. Right. It yeah. was like, congratulations, you Great did match. well, great match. You won this round. Yeah, exactly. And so I loved that there was that camaraderie there, and it did feel like a family. Yeah. And a lot of them train together, so they, they mm-hmm. know each other. It's not like a rivalry like in baseball or football. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's it's an intense sport. So I really enjoyed that, and we traveled all over the U.S. I got to see cities I never had seen or visited before. So that's kind of like your first adult job, tra- you know, traveling. Yes, yeah. Because once traveling's involved in any career, it becomes real, real. Like, oh, yeah. Every other week I was on the road. Wow. Yeah. So you were flying in and out, packing yeah. bags, doing, taking whatever you needed to. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the UFC acquired us, and I was laid off again. <laughs> Dana White gotcha. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. They actually, no, they had offered me a job, but I didn't want to move to Vegas. I couldn't imagine a life in Vegas, so I took the layoff. Were you still living up north? I was still living in, yeah, still living up in San Jose. 
Yeah, if you would have taken that, though, think what the USC would have, you, you would have seen that become. What year is this by now? 10? 11? This is, yeah, 2010. <sighs> 10 yeah. years of the UFC. What growth. Yeah, there's been a ton. Wow. Well, and even Scott Coker, who ran Strikeforce, went on, and he's now the CEO of Bellator MMA. So a lot of right. my former coworkers are now running that organization. Right. Yeah. So, so where do you go from there? Another, <laughs> another layoff in the resume. Another layoff in the resume. And actually, I um, ended up getting a job at Intel, working for their streaming media to help launch that stream and meeting pl- media platform. Uh, we were creating a product called OnQ, and the CEO at the time thought that that would be the future of Intel chips. Hmm. So they'd missed the boat on the iPhone. Right, like everybody. <clears throat> they said, nope, we're not going to take, you know, we're not going to do the chips for that. Missed that boat and said, okay, the future's going to be in streaming media, which, I mean, think about what streaming media is now. Right. Yeah, he and, wasn't far off. He, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I did marketing for them for about nine months until CEOs changed, and the new CEO decided the future of Intel was going to be in drones, not in streaming media. So Ooh. he sold our subsidiary off to Verizon, who said, we've already got a fabulous marketing team in New York. We just want the engineers and the technology. So once again, I was <laughs> laid off. <laughs> You're very familiar with yeah. HR, oh, aren't yes. you? Yes, indeed. I mean, at this point, this is the fourth time. Do you carry a cardboard box with you because you just gather up your stuff? I mean, that's kind of gun shy at some point. It got easier. Like Did, the first time was rug out from underneath you. Devastating. I don't, devastating. I don't know what I'm going to do. Crying second in the time, parking lot. Second kinda. time, it's like, okay, well, this sucks, but I, at least I know what I'm doing. The third time became laughable, and the fourth time, I'm just looking up this guy, going, "You've got to be kidding me." <laughs> The HR woman walks in, and you're like, uh-huh. Yes, I've seen this movie yep. before. I know okay. how it ends. Thank uh, you. Give me one minute, so we get all my crap off the desk, and away we go. Yes. Wow. Yeah. They, called, they absolutely missed it if he thought it was going to be drones. Yes. Well, they I mean, changed CEOs again. Yeah. And they're on to the next bright, shiny object. So uh, CEOs. Oh, uh, well, okay, so then there's number four. So Where there's you- number four. Um, so eventually, I made my way down to the Angels. Okay. You're definitely not a quitter at this point. No. Because a lot of people could have been just like, you know, I'm working at Starbucks or I'm going to go <laughs> yes. find myself, you know, alone in the mountains. Yeah. Like you, you kept I, going. Oh, I'm tenacious. Yeah. But but to a point where the universe is like, I'm trying to teach you a lesson here and you're not paying attention. <laughs> you're getting a little too stubborn for me. So when, was that job up in San Jose with Intel? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you ventured down to... So we ventured down to Southern California. My husband... Um, was also, he grew up in Walnut. So okay, we both so had family here. My brother was moving back from New York. His sister was moving back from Atlanta, Georgia. So everyone's kind of relocating back to Southern California. We said, hey, you know, let's let's come back here. Maybe we can start a family, be closer to a family. Let's just head back to our roots. Plus cost of living so much better here. Right. Which nobody seems to believe me if they're, if they haven't left here, but it's much better than the Bay Area. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like Tokyo and the Bay Area are like the most highest priced cost of living. Yeah. Yeah. Sell your time at the Angels. Yes. Yeah, that was fun. That was <laughs> so, was interesting. I think that was six months and then once six, again six whole months. Yeah. Six whole months and then laid off. Yeah. And so I at that point we still hadn't gotten the clue that I should be doing something else. So I took a job as VP of marketing for a high tech company in Huntington Beach. Okay. And 10 months later, they went under. Uh. 
So they had told me going into it that they had all these investors and that there were pre-IPO and this, that, the other. And then when I got into it, it was more like, so we really want you to do a song and dance jazz hands for investors because we don't have any secured. So I did that for about 10 months until we ran out of money. And So they brought you in to just hope. Yes. How, I mean, how, how, how difficult was that? Especially once you get in and pull back the curtain and you realize, oh, God. Well, of course, they're going to be looking at financials. There's no amount of right. lipstick on a pig. You can, you know, you can throw some glitter on there and you can do a song and dance. But at the end of the day, if numbers aren't matching up. That's what it is. That, it is what it is. Zero so, is zero. Yeah, zero <laughs> is zero. So at that point, I, uh, yeah, got laid off again. And I'm like, okay, I've done this way too many times. I, I'm not even kidding. I, I looked up at the sky and I just said, okay, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Because what I'm doing is not working. Right. And I got a ding in my inbox and it was from Martha Beck um, and she has a coaching school. So it's Martha Beck Institute and she trains life coaches. And I had followed her for years and years and years and I'd gone to a couple of her retreats and absolutely adored her, read all her books. Okay. And so I was like, okay, well, I asked for a sign and here's trading. Interesting. So my husband got home from work that day and we went out for a run along the beach and I said, well, what if I take life coach training and it helps me look more marketable on my resume until I figure out what I'm gonna do. So I can take classes in the evening and at least it'll add to my MBA and make me look like a better leader right. when I'm looking for Full. a job. Uh, yeah. And as soon as I made the decision to sign up for classes, I'm not even kidding you, an entire pod of dolphins started jumping and backflipping and twirling like they were having this little celebration. I'd never seen anything like it. Really? And I feel like dolphins are my spirit animal. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm asking for signs and here's this celebration of this pod of dolphins. I mean, they were right there in the waves, right directly in front of us, jumping and spinning and it was spectacular. And I got full body chills and I was like, okay. And within two months of taking classes, I was like, nope, this is what I'm supposed to do. This was it. This was it. Three and, three and a half years later. Wow. I haven't been laid off. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, finally, there's some length in that, in that LinkedIn page. Oh, my goes, gosh. Ooh. Yes. That goes on forever. Yeah. So... What were you expecting that first week of classes? Or what do you, how do you dive in? Because obviously if you've yeah. seen some of her courses and taken some of the retreats, you yeah. had an idea. But it's different now that you're going to be a part of it. It's one thing being, a, I guess, a participant at the re yes. retreat and now actually wanting to be the one that's helping at a retreat. So you, there's a saying we call live it to give it. Okay. So in order to be a coach, you have to receive coaching and you have to self coach. And so you're paired up with your peers and you're practicing the tools together. Okay. And that process was absolutely transformational. Really? Yes. It was this realization that almost like pulling the curtains back and seeing the world for what it is rather than what I had assumed it was. Okay. So it's learning, learning that I don't have to believe my thoughts. When I believe painful thoughts, I suffer. And when I don't believe them, I don't suffer. And reality doesn't change. Reality is what it is. But mm -hmm. when I struggle against reality, I suffer. 
and that's kind of the gist of it. So once I started to untangle and unfold all of the stories I told myself throughout my life, I felt this freedom like I'd never felt before. Wow. And this peace and this calm and this joy. You know, I had gone from a woman who worried all the time about everything to being completely chill. Wow. To the point where my husband's like, are you okay? Yeah. Uh, this is not the woman I married. <laughs> You're not stressing right now. Right. What's wrong? So let's take what you know now. Yeah. Take it back like 10 years. Yeah. How would that have made 10 years ago, Jen, a better person what you know now? Like you do an Intel job or Strike Force or the Angels. Like how would the skills you know now make you a better then? I wouldn't be such a stress case. Okay. I would be taking things as they came and not making it mean I wasn't worthy or not making it mean that I wasn't doing a good enough job or that I wasn't a good enough leader or a good enough employee. And I was always striving, I mean, I was working my ass off, striving to make bosses happy and impress people and climb the ladder, whereas I would just be enjoying the work for what it was rather than trying to run in the rat race. Right. See, I I enjoyed working with you with the angels. I like a bit of a hard ass who actually has direction other than someone who's like, oh, just, you know, do whatever you want or a hard ass for no reason. Yeah. Like I, there's plenty of those. So it's interesting to hear how you would have how you would have been what you know now. So it's good that you know what you know now moving forward. You're just going to be this, you know, wonderful, easygoing person instead of a constant stress case like you yeah. believed you were. Well, and I don't know if it was necessarily me being harder on other people, but I was absolutely hard on myself. Right, right. Yeah. 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 And what I mean, hard ass is in a, in a good way, not like someone, because there's plenty of people that just kind of do what you do and you're good and there's no checking in. There's no actual being a supervisor or manager or director in that position. They're just kind of like, yeah. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so in those first couple of weeks taking those courses, when is there a green light that you're like, yeah, this is all working. I get it. It's clicking like Legos, right? Like it just, yeah. it, it's working up. This is me. It was when I started releasing all the pain that I put myself through with regard to my mom and the grief journey around her suicide. Okay. So when I started to undo all of the dirty pain around that, and when I talk about dirty pain versus clean pain, um, when someone dies, there's clean pain of loss. Right. And then there's dirty pain of, it's my fault, I should have said this, I would have done that, I should have spent more time with them, I should have, you know, it's all right. that shoulda, woulda, coulda is the dirty pain. Right. All the regrets that we have. And so when I started to work through and release that, is when I really started to go, oh, wow, there's a different way of living, there's a different way of being. Mm -hmm. And then when I started to learn more about mind-body connection and understanding that, I don't know if you remember, but my back used to go out a ton when we were working together. Mm -hmm. I had lower chronic back pain, right. it would go out every three or four weeks. Right. Um, I was working one of the tools and practicing one of the tools and it's where you climb into your body and you start to do a body scan and then you talk to the pain in your body and you ask and understand, try to understand what it's trying to tell you. Right. And so the left side of our brain processes um, 40 bits of information per second. 
the other side of our brain, the right side of our brain, that, that doesn't have logic and reasoning processes 11 million bits of information per second. Okay. So when people say follow your gut, it's because your gut's actually processing. You're processing through your nervous system, sight, sound, taste, touch, smell, all kinds of information, but it doesn't have language. Okay. So it communicates through physical sensations and symbols, hence our dreams. So you can analyze your dreams in the same way. Okay. So when I was using the tool and practicing it on myself, the message that I got from my body was, you don't have your own back. You're not holding boundaries with people. You're saying yes when you want to say no. You're saying no when you want to say yes because you're people pleasing. Mm -hmm. Get a spine. Have your own back. And once I realized where I was at, out of integrity in relationships, where I was people pleasing or not holding boundaries with people, and once I remedied that, my pain completely went away. My back has not gone out since. Really? Wow, that would have been great 10 years ago, huh? Yeah. You didn't I, I had eight years, <laughs> eight years of oh. my back going out every, you know, every few weeks. Wow. Eight years of that until I got the message I needed to get. My back's like, okay, you're good. And now when I start to feel a little twinge, I'm like, okay, where am I not holding boundaries with people? Interesting. And once I do and correct it, pain's gone. Hmm. So how long is the coaching I guess, learning process or process of? It's a nine month program. And then you get certified from there as long as you have your 75 hours of practice coaching. Okay, and what do you, and during that time, what are you learning? You're learning mind-body connection tools, like I just talked about, okay. um, as well as thought work. So I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Byron Katie. No. But it's helping you take and find that dirty pain in those thoughts and dissolving okay. those thoughts. So in order to do that, you look at what the cost of that thought is, you examine and understand what your behavioral reaction is, what your emotional reaction is. Um, so our circumstances don't cause our feelings, it's our thoughts about the circumstances that cause the feelings, and then those feelings cause our behavior. And when you can understand the correlation between that, you can start to examine and understand the cost of that dirty pain, what it's doing to you, how you're treating people, how you're treating yourself, what's coming up from the past that no longer exists that you're replaying and doing more harm to yourself right. than that one moment ever did in time because you're reliving it, or what you're projecting into the future that doesn't exist. We've got, you know, 10 million different variations of what can happen that we're imagining the worst case scenario for, mm -hmm. again, only exists in our mind. And when you can understand what that cost is, and then you go, okay, who would I be without that thought? Same reality, we're not changing the circumstances, we're not changing what exists, okay. we're just not allowing ourselves to think that thought. Right. And it's like a world of difference. It's like, oh, I'd be loose, I'd be lighter, I'd be easygoing, I'd be confident, I'd be this. I think that, like what you mentioned, that dirty pain, I think a lot of people carry that. And oh, they should, so much. It's such a huge problem. Huge. Yeah. My wife went with that when her mom died. Uh, my father died 2001. I didn't have that issue. My brothers did. Mm. But my dad and I were very close, so there wasn't that, oh, I didn't get a chance to talk to him or see him or those griefs and the scenarios you mentioned. So yeah. it wasn't that it was easier when he passed, but I didn't have that Hanging over you. Yeah, I we never saw each other. We didn't do this. I didn't have that. Mm. I was bothered by the loss, upset by the loss. Yeah, you know, and what it was where it was going to leave my mom, but it wasn't the, I guess, selfishness loss for me mm. that I was going to be like, oh, I didn't get to say, I love you mm -hmm. at all. 
Yeah. Or, or we didn't talk. Yeah. Yeah, we had a horrible relationship. That wasn't, it didn't exist. Yeah. But with a lot of people, that does. that's a huge problem. And they carry that baggage forever. And it affects everything. Yeah. Their relationships with their loved ones, their yep. relationships at work, yep. their progression, their whole life. It is just a giant bag of rocks they're carrying. Absolutely. How do you remove that? How do you, you dissolve the thought? You let it go. You realize you really you realize and understand what it's cost you for so long. You understand that I can simply set it down if I choose to. Here's who I am without it. Here's how my life would be without it. And then we do what's called turnarounds. And so we find proof to support an alternative. So let's say um, Let's give me an example of something that you regret. It could be something as silly as I should have parked closer in the parking garage. Right. Okay. Uh, I should have. Yeah. I give me a should. Should have, should have, you know, said something nice to my wife the other night. Okay. Said something stupid about a haircut. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that happened 30 years ago. She still holds it on to me. Okay. I said one dumb thing <laughs> on a dating date. We were dating. I said one bad thing about a haircut. Boy, that still is a hot rod. Hot topic. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's simplify that. What's a, I should have said something different Sweet. or I shouldn't have said. I shouldn't, sh- have, shouldn't have said it. I shouldn't have said it. Yeah. Okay. So what's the opposite to I shouldn't have said it? I should have. Okay, so what's proof to support that you should have? If I would have said something nice with the scenario. No, but what's, or, what, so you're supporting the opposite. You're, you're carrying around that I shouldn't have said it. Right. So what's proof to support that you should have said it? Um, her reaction. Okay. Right? If I say something nice. Well, no, or, no, no, we're not changing reality. Oh, we're not? Okay. No, we're just believing that you should have done oh. what you actually did. Right. Had I not said it, or if I would have said it? <laughs> I think we're talking in circles now. I feel like Christopher Nolan's <laughs> running this podcast and we're in a loop. <laughs> You've held on to it for so long yeah. and you can't, you can't wrap your mind I around. Can't. All I know is I don't step on that landmine. Interesting. And I did the other night. Oh, <laughs> say more about that. It, I just, like my son, his hair looked like how my wife's did then. Oh. And I said, it looked just like, and she just said, don't say it. And I was like, oh, boy. Touched it. Touched the landmine, hot wire, the third rail. Hmm. Yeah. So. So what's proof to support that that reality is the way it should be? Her reaction? Well, no, that just, so look to why it should have happened. Okay. Why is it a good thing? It's not. Well, think, try to think of why it might be. She still has, um, I guess she still cares or it's still a... Emotion? I'm lost. Help me. Help me here. Help me, coach. I'll throw some out. I wouldn't okay. normally, in a normal coaching okay. session, a I wouldn't help. Coach, we're not. I wouldn't, this yeah. is a podcast. The, I'm, not, I'm not on a couch laying. So there could be, it could could be that it should because maybe you stood out more in your dating that that she's like, oh, this is somebody that'll be honest with me. Okay. Okay. And You're right. this is somebody that I could actually spend the rest of my life with. Right. I mean, that could have been a turning point that had you not said it, you could have just been any other guy she'd gone out on a date with. Right. I'm going to use that. 
or or damn it there's no 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 no, no. no, no, I'm, no I'm just yeah. saying like or <laughs> right. so we try to think of multiple yeah. proofs like you're right proof to support that why this was a good thing well because she's never gotten that haircut again and maybe if she had that haircut and kept that haircut it she wouldn't have gotten the jobs that she got right because people would have been looking at her funny instead of paying attention to what she was saying I don't know right but but what we're trying to do is we're trying to find ways of saying reality should be the way it is because it is right it and is. when we start no changing it yeah it's that butterfly effect. Oh. Like you change one thing, and then what are the things that may have been dependent upon that? Right, the consequences behind it. Yeah, that would be different now, that okay. needed to happen because some lesson needed to happen, something needed to be forged. I mean. Right. Interesting. I'm going to have to pay you for this podcast when we're done. <laughs> this, is this is great. But that's but, but that's the idea but, is to help people find alternative thoughts okay. that are as true, if not truer, than the original. And so when the mind creates a thought that it's thought so many times, we call these limiting beliefs. So it could be you know something that we learned from our parents early on in childhood about money or about work ethic or whatever it is that we think is a good thought to believe, mm -hmm. but when it starts to cause us pain and it goes to the extreme, we go, okay, maybe that's something that we should examine and loosen that up a little bit. And the only way to loosen that up is to give your brain an alternative. Um, so you've got these neurons that basically connect and create a thought. And when right. you think the same thought over and over and over again, it creates this myelon sheath and it becomes a highway where we don't even think about it. We just constantly get on that highway because it's this really quick way to get to wherever we're going. When we do thought work, we find off-ramps to that thought okay. so that we can find an alternate way of being, and then the more we think that alternate thought, the greater that strengthens that new thought, and that then can become a new highway. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. So in your process, right, you do your nine months, you do your 75 hours, yep. right? How does that go in? Are you taking it all in? Like you're just loving every minute of this and you're finding you? Oh yeah, absolutely. It was all self-development. I mean, it was wow. one of the See, best things cool. I ever did for myself. There's it so was many, absolutely for me. <laughs> there's so many few jobs that make the person better. Oh yeah. If you're a better person today than you were three and a half years ago, that's a great job. So much better. And my relationships are stronger. My relationships are better. My brother is an alcoholic, and I used to dive in and try to rescue and fix as the older sister. And when I learned to be a coach, I stopped rescuing because I could start to see him as a creator of his own life. Okay. And that it wasn't somebody that needed to be fixed. He just needed to figure it out. So rather than jumping in and fixing, when he would call me and be like, hey, I can't, you know, can't pay my bills, or I need cash, or I just right. got you know, laid off or fired or whatever, my response would be, used to be like, can I send you money? Right. How can I help? How can I help? And now it's like, huh, that sucks. What are you going to do about it? Because that's and, the reality. Because that, right. well, and that's also a coach. Right, right, absolutely. Coach is like, okay, that's the sucky scenario. What are you going to do? Now, how do you separate sister and coach or just sister and loving sister? Like, let me help. That's when I ask who you want me to be in that moment. Okay. So even with friends, if they're like, hey, I want to talk to you about something, it's like, okay, do you want me to respond as a friend or do you want me to respond as a coach? Right. Do you have a hat? Do you put on your little coaching hat or do you have a... Kind of. <laughs> I just ask different questions. That's true. So if you want me there as a friend, I'm going to be empathetic. Yep. He's a jerk. Yep. Nope. Totally. He's a complete jerk. And let's Leave go. Him. Yeah. 
let's go write something nasty on his Facebook. Right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what does coach say? Coach is like, okay, let's work that thought. What are you making it mean? What are you making it mean that, you know, he cheated on you? Or what are you making right. it mean that he stood you up? Well, and then if the thought behind it's, well, it means I'm not lovable. Okay, well, let's work that thought. It's a completely different path. Oh, God, yeah. Just the words you use, they're, they're totally different. So not everybody wants to be coached, though. Some people just want to vent, and they right. want somebody to empathize. And right. I go, okay, so what? who do you want me to be in this right. moment? Some girlfriends just want a bottle of wine, you sit Absolutely. down, and let's just go at it. All right, yes, let's right. vent. This is right. a vent session. I will keep filling up your, your glass, and we're just... <laughs> Let's do it. We'll torch him. Yes, exactly. Right. So it's, and my sister's the same way. So if she's calling because something happened with her kids or her two-year-olds are in a temper tantrum or this, that, the other, and she's making it mean she's being a bad mom, it's like, okay, do you want me to be the supportive sister that's, that's you know, trying to justify this, that, the other, and just listening to you, or do you want me to help you work some thoughts here? Right. Has that changed your relationship with them, with family All of members? Them. All of them. Yeah. Positively. Positively. Absolutely. Being outside of the big sister, I mean, how, in, like, in what way has it changed to the point where do they come to you for more advice and they take it? Or is it be more wearful when you say to Jen because you don't want to get the coach's hat all the time? Sometimes you just want to vent. Mm, I think it's more in the sense that they know I'm not going to jump in and fix anymore. Okay. I, I'm more of a listener than a problem solver. So before I ever had coaching tools, it was telling them what they should be doing. Mm -hmm. Totally get that. It was, okay, let's problem solve. And now it's more, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do? Mm -hmm. You make the choice. I'm not going to give you those. Yes. I'm not going to jump in and give you the answers. Right. Because you know them. It's, and if you right. want that. Yeah. We sure, could do it. We could do that. So I don't I don't jump in to do that anymore and I think that our relationship's stronger because I just sit there and listen. Yeah, that, that actually is, becomes a better communicator. Just Absolutely. listening. Just listening. Yep. Because a lot of times that's what they want. Mm -hmm. Just for you to be on the other end of the line for forty five minutes while you just yeah. you hear them spill their yeah. heart out. And I don't have to coach them, I just I'm just listening. Yep, I'm here. In a way that I wasn't present before. Or capable of even Yeah. Wow. What a great big sister you've become. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, it's and it's been such a gift. And I enjoy my relationships so much more because I am present for them in okay. a way that I wasn't present before. So how has that affected your marriage? Are you a better wife listener, partner? How is I believe so, yeah. It, when I asked my husband the biggest change, he said you've gone from an extrovert to an introvert. Wow. And I think the difference is, is I'm more comfortable with us sitting in silence than feeling like I need to fill the time and the space with conversation. Right. Which simply means I'm more comfortable in my own skin. Yes. And feeling like I shouldn't be doing something other than what right. I'm doing. Yeah. I've always said with my wife and I, if you can drive three hours to San Luis Obispo and only talk for 10 minutes and still feel like you are connected, that's a great relationship. Exactly. You don't have to make small talk. Mm -mm. It's not a blind date. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Just. Like I'm comfortable with silence. I'm right. comfortable with sitting and being. Whereas before I just had nervous energy and I had to be doing this and I had to be distracting myself and I had to be, it was like this hummingbird Bounce, all yeah, over the place. Yeah, just bouncing around. Mm -hmm. So you get your time, you do your 75 hours. Mm -hmm. Where do you go? 
what does, do you mean? Well, where, where does Jen go? Where do, where do you find your clients? Where do you, where do you, where do you go off into the world as like, I'm ready. I'm, I am me. I just posted to Facebook and said, I'm a new coach who wants to be coached. Here's right? my, here's my super, super cheap, low rate. Yeah. Cause you don't have a, a storefront, a nope. physical, I'm on second street. Mm-hmm. Come on by like Lucy, you know, it's I'm all open. word of mouth now. So it wow. started out, it started out with just friends. Okay. And then they would tell their friends and it just kind of snowballed from there. And now I actually, I've, I've, I don't know if it's my SEO or what, but I, I, between the articles that I write and publish for like say Elephant Journal and my blogs and whatnot. You write a lot. I write a lot. I couldn't read them all. I tried <laughs> during the okay. research. But That's okay. Wow. I wouldn't expect you yeah. to. But but that has all driven so many people to my website, and I've gotten so many people, even just sending notes, just saying, thank you, this completely resonates. When I'm ready, I want to reach out. And, and then a lot of people just do reach out. They're like, nobody's gotten me the way that you get me through what you're writing, and mm-hmm. I want to work with you because you've been through what I'm going through. Have you become a better writer with all that writing? Cause Absolutely. You, did you have, I mean, I was serious. There was like, it seems like there was a thousand. There was, you wrote a lot. I used to write once a week. I used to write a blog a week. Wow. And then that's that, work. It's that's... Got, it is work. And then it got to once a month. Okay. And then I probably published on Elephant Journal once a quarter. And they actually just assigned me my own editor now. Wow. Yeah. Sheesh. Yeah, I won some ecosystem award, and they're like, oh, we want you to keep writing. We're going to pay you. Good, okay. Awesome. You got something to say. Exactly. So you throw out the placard on Facebook, you know, here I am. And, yeah, people just started coaching, and it started spreading from there. Now, how much of it is, um, what is a life coach? Like, how many do you get that from people, or are they know going in this is what I'm looking for? Most of the time, they have no idea what life coaching is. They assume okay. it's like a therapist. Okay. And so but there's... But it's 180 degrees, absolutely not. Not. Yeah. Because I ask a ton of questions, and mostly open-ended, but I ask a ton of questions to help them get to their answers, okay. where I feel like a therapist is more just allowing them to talk for the entire hour, mm-hmm. and they don't say anything. They just nod. Right. So Write I have tools, and this isn't to... This isn't to bash on therapists. No, absolutely I've, not. Everybody's got their place. Yes, absolutely. And there's a time and place for that, especially for trauma and crises. Mm-hmm. But when you're ready to move past that and you're ready to start getting rid of some of the stuff that you've been carrying for so long and you've talked it out to the point where it's an old story, that's when life coaching can be like, okay, now let's get rid of it. Let's shed all of that. Right. Are you getting a lot of... Your clients, are they work-driven or relationship-driven or, or personal self-driven? Like We end up hitting on all of the topics. Okay. Because everything's connected. That's true. Often this, you know, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So the same types of issues you end up having in work relationships you probably have with family Time members. management and, or whatever, yeah, or responsibility, or re- yep. whatever. Yeah. So we end up hitting on all of it. And the way I try to approach coaching is whatever is weighing on them in the moment, wherever they're feeling stuck in any aspect of their life, that's what we work on then. And oftentimes it'll, it's because it's scratching an old wound that then we can work on that old wound that comes up during that process that we discover is the reason why you're being triggered here is because it means you're scratching something over here. Interesting. How, how long did it take for you to like really feel like you knew what you were doing? Not that you knew what you were doing, but 
you know, it's one thing practicing. I'm it's, still learning. It's one thing. It's everything. Yeah. And anything you're constantly learning. I mean, look, your photography is right. continuing to improve, even though you're phenomenal at what you do. There's still right. always you strive to get better. Yes. Are you? What, so then, what goals would you have for yourself? Like, oh. I want Jen to be here in five years. So I continue to take training. I, 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 what I realized that with the coaching side of it, it was good for releasing the thought work, but for some deep-seated stuff that's more trauma-related, it needed energetic release, and that's when I started um, training in Reiki and training in breath work and helping folks. So now when I have a client where we've worked the same thought multiple times, but there's still something there, mm -hmm. that's when I know it's lodged somewhere in their body and it needs to be released in that way. And so that's when we start to do the energy work. So I've now trained, or I'm now per, uh, currently training in Equus coaching. Okay. What's that? So it's the same thing with life coaching, but you're with a horse when you do it. With a, really? A yeah. horse horse? Yeah. With a horse horse. Where do you get your horse? Like, <laughs> you, do you guys have a little Shetland pony at your house? No. <laughs> I was like, wow, you guys are awesome. I got to come over. No, you work with, um, you, you can lease a horse or you work with a ranch that allows you to work with the horses that are there. Wow. And so you go for a day and you kind of rent out the space for a day. And horses are mirrors for people. They will mirror exactly what's going on with you internally, and they'll call BS, they're lie detectors. I mean, they're so highly sensitive to everything that's going on. They're reading your heart rate, they're reading everything, really? all of your energy all the time. I know, they don't they use them for like therapy for kids yeah. or something, yeah. right? Like yeah, yep, absolutely. And so they're these beautiful teachers in a way that a coach can say something and make an observation. People don't necessarily trust people or they, may not want to hear it, but when a horse has no motivation to lie to you, reflects something back, you go, oh, okay. You see it in a different way than you would if you were working with a person. And so we basically use the same coaching tools, but they're able to see the horse's response as they answer questions. Wow. So I'll use my own, my own example. Okay. Because um, I can't use my clients. That's true. <laughs> confidential, yes. yeah. confidential reasons. Um, we'll just use client A. <laughs> yes. Nobody no. knows who client no. A is. So um, my own my own grief with my mom. I'd worked all the thoughts around woulda, shoulda, couldas mm -hmm. around her death, and I still found myself triggered and crying uncontrollably. I knew I had to release it in another way. But the reason why I realized that and found that was when I was with the horse, I just started breaking down crying. And I'm never going to go horseback riding the same. <laughs> so I started, I just, I got in the arena with a horse and I broke down because I was realizing that I was in my life. I was trying to see around corners so that I could avoid that type of scenario again. Right. Like I never want to feel that regret and, and experience that again. So I'm going to try to pre-plan wow. and see around corners and control and this, that, the other. It was making me crazy because I was trying to avoid the unavoidable. Like I've had, you know, so many layoffs and so many things happening in my life that have been pulling the rug out from underneath me that I'm going to do everything in my power to try to predict when those things are going to happen so somehow I can stop them. And so understanding this pattern that I hadn't released yet, I'm sobbing with this horse. And the horse in the meantime is stomping and shivering and yawning. And, and it's, it's, it's energetically releasing 
while I'm crying because that's how horses do it in the wild. When they've had a traumatic experience, that's how they then process it later is they release it from their body. What is the so, handler doing? That's what I want. Like, what is that? They're just observing. Yeah, but they got to be like, wow, what are you doing to my horse, lady? Like, <laughs> no, that way it's a, I know, it's a you're facilitator. Not hurting the horse, no, right, no, no, but no. It's, it's got to be like, wow, you're really becoming one with my horse. Yes. Like it's, yeah, so the horse is mirroring it's like a everything. Rod. Yes, the horse is mirroring everything that I'm doing. And then the coach who was facilitating said, um, she asked me some sort of question, and I was explaining, you know, but all of those things that have happened to me, um, were for a good reason and I'm in a better place because of it. And the horse walked to the complete opposite end of the arena <laughs> with his back to me. And that's the horse calling BS. Right, sure. Because the horse essentially is saying, you don't know yourself, which means you're now unsafe. So in a herd mentality, if you are not understanding who you are in the moment and not being honest with yourself, then you can't be a safe member of the herd. So the horse basically went completely away. And my coach said, that's a spiritual bypass. She goes, you don't actually believe that. And I broke down crying again, and I was like, square one fucking sucks. <laughs> Jesus. And I was like, it sucks, and I never want to feel it again. Wow. And the horse came directly back to me, like straight on, and put its head up against my chest which is the most vulnerable position a horse can be because they can't see there. Sure, yeah. So they basically just put the he puts his forehead, forehead yeah. right up against my heart. Because I was finally being honest with saying, it sucks and I never want to do that again. Versus, oh, rainbows and stars. Right. I'm, you know, Unicorns I'm, I'm in a better place now because I didn't believe it at the time. Wow. So anyhow, fast forward. So I'm now training in this. So you don't ask a horse, you know, do I look bad in this dress? <laughs> yes. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. He walks off, you're in trouble. I, I'm never going to look at a horse the same way They're again. so amazing. They're, they are amazing. They're amazing unbelievable, creatures. beautiful creatures. Yes, I, I don't think we have enough horses around, but good God, that's amazing. I've never heard of that. Yeah. So you can use that with, you can use the tools with the, with the clients and see... Okay, well, what's the horse's response? What's the feedback you're getting? So you're utilizing that now as a tool mm -hmm. with your clients? Yep. Wow. So it's it's a constant evolution of new tools and new ways. And So I, I, we talked about this before the podcast. How do you know when you've got a, I don't want to say a good client, but you and the client are a good match? Like they're open to coaching, right? You're not a therapist, and I'm sure yeah. you get that. Listen, I'm not your therapist. Yeah. If they're willing to do the work. Okay. So if they just simply want to come and vent, but don't want to actually walk through the tools, or if I give them a homework assignment and week after week after week they don't do it, then I'm like, you're not really ready for coaching, so maybe you should go back to a therapist. Right. And that's fine. Done. Yeah. So then when do you know when you're done with your client you guys have reached a goal or they're satisfied in their life or what they've achieved or... i'm so proud when they are i'm so so proud and right. it's it's, a... it's often when they've they've used the tool so many times they know how to do it on themselves Ooh, that's good which is great i love coaching myself out of a job right because you've made a better person yes that's your now goal they know, that, now they know how to do it themselves right and absolutely then, i don't want to crap on therapists but i think a lot of times it's sometimes you go five six seven eight years what are you getting out of it yeah yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know you have a time limit, but it's the person's responsibility to put in time with you and on themselves and they become a better person. Yes. 
Yeah. And Period. then once they learn how to do it themselves, they're they're off to the races. Right. They're they're and every once in a while I'll get a call and they're just like I'm stuck and I you know, the tools just aren't working for me. I need a refresher. Tune and up. we'll yeah, we'll have a tune up and then they're back off doing whatever again. So I absolutely love that. No, that's fantastic. It's unbelievable. You go to school for marketing <laughs> and here you are helping people. That's not what 18-year-old Jen thought Santa Clara was going to be. No, not at all. That's amazing. Yeah. So you've, you've touched on it a couple of times, but that transformation from corporate to you know, this career path now, mm-hmm. how does that happen and you feel comfortable like doing it? Like, are you, Did you ever at one point in the last three and a half years look back and go, oh, I, I, I like that job, or I saw an opening, or somebody came to you and said... You know, we got a marketing position, VP of, you know, AT&T. You interested? It's happened a few times. And I will be completely honest in that when they dangle that carrot of a nice salary, it it takes me a second. Um, and then I also recognize that I have way more impact doing what I do now, even if I'm not making as much money. Right. Sometimes that's it. If you're a better person, you're helping people be better. Mm-hmm. Are you... a miserable, horrible person with a corporate jet and, you know, six figures. Exactly. Working 90 hours a week on a short week. Yeah. Mm, Not so much. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I love my life now and I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I still admit that. Those are powerful words. Yes, yes. You love your life. I love my life. What you're doing right now is. I love it. I love waking up every morning. I love working with clients. I love seeing my clients transform and seeing who they were when they first came in and all the their beliefs and all the junk and then this bright beaming person by the time they're ready to kind of fly it's spectacular wow that's awesome yeah are the majority of your clients southern california based or do you have clients i I even have a client in belgium oh so you're working on his time then so that's interesting yeah so she her her 6 p.m is my 9 a.m so it works out well all right so you sit there the cup of joe and watch the dolphins play and (laughs) talk to belgium (laughs) so i guess that would be because it's all virtual right it's all virtual but all your clients have to be english or speak english yes yeah yes um so okay so there are some limits yes right yeah you just gotta pick up on some other foreign languages and multiply your client base (laughs) (laughs) had you known you could have been a linguist this and that whatever um so you're having the time of your life then yes you're, you're a much better, healthier, happier person. Yeah. Let's pause for our sponsor before restarting our conversation with Jennifer. Do you well, want to talk about your mom and sure. that, that relationship? Sure. So how, how, how was your relationship with your mom as a child? It was codependent. Okay. So she, she got divorced when I was two and she was pregnant with my sister. She felt very abandoned. She relied heavily on me as the oldest. She was in a a marriage that he was a wonderful stepfather, but not necessarily a wonderful husband. Okay. Um, He felt his position was more to be the provider of finances and not necessarily emotionally involved. So she never felt Mm. an emotional connection or felt her love cup was ever full. And so she wanted to get that from her children. And so... Wow, that's tough. Which is hard as a child to think that that's your responsibility is to 
parent a parent. Right. And so I didn't really know any other way. And so, you know, with my sister, she had ADHD, so I, she couldn't really finish chores. And my mom was like, well, you do them well. You've and you actually complete them. Got, yeah, dishes. So I'm going to give you all the chores to do. And then, you know, and then I had younger brothers. So it was like, okay, go, you know, change a diaper and go babysit. How, yeah, and how many the are other. living in the house with you at this point? So there's three. I'm the, I'm, there's okay, four of so us together, four. but I have three and younger mom, siblings. So that's five. Yes. Okay. And so over the years, she just became very dependent upon me for emotional support and help and chores around the house and everything else. So when I went off to college, she freaked out. I mean, she had a breakdown and was like, you have to move back home. You have to quit school. You got to come home. Did she look at it as like she's losing a partner, uh, a roommate? Yes. Like yeah. a sister? Yes. All of that. A daughter? All of that. A therapist? A coach she didn't know she had yet? Like <laughs> yes, just exactly. literally. Like, like yes. Yeah. You were her glue. Yes. I was her glue. So she started to become depressed. She started going on antidepressants. She had had a couple suicide attempts. And each and every in time. In your first couple of years? Or in my first couple of years of college. Did you know about the suicide attempts? I did. And each and every time it was begging me to come home. And I, and at that point in time, I was seeing a therapist at school because I it, was contemplating quitting school and moving back home. So was it take pills or physically? Or was she like cutting her wrists or? or, or she was overdosing. Pills? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. With kids in the house. With kids oh, in the house. you still had yes. brothers and siblings. Oh, yeah. boy. So then she decided that she would be happier if she divorced my stepdad. Um, but she'd never had a job before. So he froze the funds, and because she'd had suicide attempts, she couldn't have her kids. So the courts basically said, you're not fit to have your children stay with you. Right, yeah. So now she has no children, alone, doesn't know how to make ends meet financially, working as a waitress, just basically feeling like her life is nothing. And still continuing to call me and rely on me to tell her what to do and this, that, the other. And so you're I, away at college. You're I'm away at college. You're 19, 20. I'm trying to be independent. I'm trying to right. learn who I am as a person. Right. I mean, we don't know who we are when we're no. 18, 19, 20. We have no Thank idea. God. We think we do. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you knew who you were. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Listen to the bad 90s, you know, hip hop or whatever it was. Exactly. Oh, exactly. God. So... I became resentful of that and pushing back. So the day that she called me crying and upset, I was I was already mad at her. And so we were in a fight and I wouldn't talk to her on the phone. I was just like, mom, I'm studying for finals. Like I can't handle the drama right now. I can't be distracted. I need to get my work done and I need to ace my tests. That's my priority right now. Of course. And she, I was used to her being so over-medicated on her antidepressants that she would stutter and not make sense and words would go together, which annoyed me anyways. But I had, I couldn't read into what was happening because it was so common for that to be the conversation. Here's a question. Where is she getting these antidepressants if she's just a waitress? Is it like welfare from the state or how is she getting well, she still has insurance. Okay. Health insurance. Okay. So she was working at a decent place to getting her health well, insurance. Well, I think she still had health insurance through my stepfather. Oh, Okay. Because they weren't—they were separated. They hadn't Just, divorced, hadn't been finalized right. yet. But no doctor has seen like these red flags. She had two different doctors that were both prescribing medications, and they weren't talking to each other. Oh, God Almighty! So, anyhow. December. Sorry, yeah. yeah, it's okay. It's just, but it's one of those things for me. It's like, come on, there's there's red flags. Oh yeah, absolutely, there were red flags. It's not your—I mean, it's your responsibility, but it's not your responsibility, doctor. 
Jen's at college trying to take her exams. Exactly. You're prescribing, you know, medication. Way over prescribing. And I don't know if she was taking more than what was prescribed. I mean, I... Two a days and she's taking four. We can't possibly know. Right. So I hang up on her. I'll call you later. I'll call you when finals are done. And her last response is, you know, just know that I love you. And I'm... Hang up. Don't even say goodbye. I'm so annoyed. I just want to focus. Why do you keep calling me? That's what's going through my mind. So I got a call the next day. Or not a call the next day. My aunts show up at my at my work the next day. And they say, we've got some bad news. And I knew, just listening to their voices and looking at their faces, what had happened. And I immediately, my my legs just completely gave out. And I just screamed this guttural, I've never heard that sound come out of my body, in, except for that one moment in time, was just this no that came from the deepest part of my being. And it was just screaming, and I couldn't stop screaming because I knew exactly what happened. She committed suicide, and it was done. And at that point, I had so much guilt, so much woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know, I should have taken the phone call. I should have been paying more attention. I should have called 911. I should have all these things that if I would have quit school, if I would have, you know, wow, all of it, I held on for 10 years. That <sighs> my fault. I killed my mother. I held on to that like it was just an anchor, an anchor, an absolute anchor. Jesus. Yeah. And it wasn't until coaching, really, that I could start to untangle all of that. Where, where in coaching, obviously there was the moment with you and the horse, yeah. but are there releases where you're seeing things in coaching going, okay, if I just had known this? Honestly, it was all that thought work. It was, really? I, um, you know, I should have... I should have known that she was overdosing. Okay, well, the opposite thought is I shouldn't have known. So who, like, who am I with that thought? Well, when I'm believing that I should have known, I hate myself, I'm, you know, punishing myself, I'm drinking too much, I'm, here's all the, the self-hurtful behavior that is resulting because of that thought. Now, without the thought, if I couldn't believe it, who would I be? Well, I'd be this light, happy person going through my life, living my life. Okay, what's the opposite of that? Well, I shouldn't have known. Well, and the reality was I didn't. Expecting myself to right. know something hindsight is yeah. impossible. Yeah, not a chance. So it literally was taking thought by thought by thought by thought and going and doing the work on it. Wow. That is, that is a tough thing to hold for 10 years. Yeah. How do you think it affected just first couple of years I mean did you just hide the misery and hide the pain or did you use it and lash out and I became a workaholic okay so I buried myself in work which was easy to do you know right in young intern young work just work as many hours as you can not look absolutely um I got involved in unhealthy relationships because I didn't believe I was worthy of love, that I was this terrible person who would kill their mother. Right. And so the relationships that I had, I attracted all kinds Just of negative energy, negative junk. Right. People that were not on the right path. Right. That's, um, 
Yeah, you don't wish that on anybody. Mm-mm. Anybody. Mm-mm. But to but to actually then understand it, release it, make yourself a better person from it, that shows real strength. Thank you. Real clarity. Thank you. Because you know this. There will be people you'll run into your life. They'll hang on to things for their whole life, their mm-hmm. whole life. Mm-hmm. And they'll make it an excuse. Yeah. They will use it and say, like, I never got this job promotion because or yes. I don't find love because. Yep. or Yep, absolutely. It's the victim mentality. Right. Mm-hmm. Just forever. Helpless, hopeless, nothing I can do, completely powerless. Right. I just the take medication. Yep. I listen to my therapist. And it's just like, okay, enough's enough. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. But you have to make the decision to love yourself enough to say, I'm ready to let this go. Right. I'm ready to forgive myself. Yeah. I'm ready to not carry this anymore. Where do you think it takes people to get to that point to be like, love Jennifer, like love Matt, love? For me, it was just a moment of grace. It was, that's the only way I can describe it. It's just this moment where I was like, I'm, I'm ready to stop punishing myself. Yeah, that's, I'm gonna say it's easy to say, but it takes people a while. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and it's 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 feeling that weight and going. I don't want to live this way anymore. Yeah. No. And, and and going. Okay. I'm like I need help from a higher power, because I I simply cannot carry it. Right. How long would you have carried that weight? Like if what you know now, mm-hmm. right? Your aunts come in. You go through your normal grieving grieving process, like any normal human should. What do you? What do you, what's that process now? What you know now, yeah. if you knew then, what's that process? What do you say? What do you do? So it's interesting because I have a dear, dear friend of mine. She's actually my Reiki master. Her son committed suicide earlier this year. Oh, Jesus. Not because of COVID. Not because of COVID. Okay. It happened right before COVID. Because that's a huge thing right now in Northern California. It There's is. actually more suicides of COVID than deaths of COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Young girls are absolutely just a problem right now, and they don't. They just need to get that under control. Yeah. So she, her son, committed. So, so it's so it's, it, it's it's sitting with somebody and allowing them and allowing them to feel their pain, and them giving themselves permission to feel whatever emotion is coming up in that moment without telling themselves how the grieving process is supposed to be, because it's going to be absolutely different for every single person. Okay. And in the only way. Over it is through it. And the more we try to push against it and distract ourselves only prolongs the inevitable. Okay. And and so it's feeling that grief, feeling that anger, feeling that denial, feeling all of those emotions that go around with loss in whatever order they come, in whatever wave that comes, and allowing yourself to fully process that in the body because when we're processing pain in a clean way, it only lasts 90 seconds. Really? That's we, it. we think that it's going to be forever, but the waves in a pure wave is 90 seconds. And if we lean into that and just feel it and let it flow, emotions are energy in motion. That's all they are. And so it's, it's like, okay, I'm going to notice this. I'm going to allow it to come. I'm going to feel it. I'm going to lean into it. It's going to happen. And then I've got a breath. Wow. And I may feel another wave in, in a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. But the body meters it out in, in a way that we can, we can handle it. 
We can all handle it. It's when we struggle against it and say we're not going to right. fail it. I was going to say, what's is, the opposite? People holding on and just kind of constantly yep. regurgitating it? Yeah, and they shove it into different parts of their bodies, and they don't allow themselves to feel it, and then they get cancers or you know chronic arthritis or whatever it or happens be to miserable. be. Or just be miserable. Yes, <laughs> right. because they're not allowing themselves to process it. Right. If they got the cancer, at least it's something. Some people are just miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Forever. Mm-hmm. Over something that happened when they were 20, mm-hmm. and now they're 60, and they realize, well, 40 years went by yeah. of me being a miserable old bat. Yeah. Well, and that's where we do more damage to ourselves than any actual pain caused in the instant that it caused it. Interesting. So think of any negative thing that has ever happened to you. Okay. And think how many times have you relived it versus the length of time that that actually happened. Right, right. Let's say it was eight seconds and you've relived it for hours. Yeah. Over and again, every month or whatever. We do it to ourselves. Whether it's a TV show or song, whatever brings that memory back. Yeah. Just make yourself miserable for an hour. Mm Mm-hmm. Just live the actual time and then be done with it. Yeah. Wow. Well, if young Jen would have known that, she'd have been fine in a couple of months. But I had to go through the but process. But you have to go and through the process, And because I went through right? the process, I'm now able to help others through the process. Because you know. So this woman with her son's suicide, she'll she, be a... She's She's got the tools. And so she's, she's doing it in a it. way that is so healthy to be processing it. She's just giving herself that space. And she's allowing herself to feel it. And she's talking about it with the people she needs to talk about it with um, to, to get through that process without telling herself all these stories about what it should have could have. Right. And, and, you, and you say that process and people's pain. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is with COVID right now, people are putting a lot of pain and misery on themselves, whether they've lost their job or they're losing mm-hmm. their business or they're unemployed, pay cuts, whatever, or they're loved ones have passed because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing an uptick in either business or seeing that come into your clients' lives? Yes, and the clients who've lost their jobs hated their jobs to begin with. Hmm. They loved the paycheck. Right, but yes. they never, But they never would have taken it upon themselves to leave. Right. And now they're being given an opportunity to reset. And if they can see it as an opportunity to reset, and they can recognize that it's not what they wanted to begin with, and that's what we work on, then it opens up all this opportunity. And you're even looking at, so yes, so there's small businesses that are closing down, and my heart goes out to those that truly love the business that they've built that no longer is able to keep its doors right, open. that restaurant that, or that- I don't want to be know. tone deaf to that in any way, shape, or form. Um, but there are some people, I have one client in particular, who the business that she runs, she only runs it because her father passed of a heart attack and she felt the need to take over the company, but she's absolutely miserable doing it. Oh, and if she would have okay. chosen a path for herself, it would have been a different path. Right. So the business is struggling because of COVID. If it goes under, she's now free to do what she Wants to do. Wants to do. So there are businesses out there, family-run businesses, that do it just because they've been doing it for so long and that's all they know. But if really given the opportunity to reinvent themselves, 
how would they reinvent themselves? Right, and there's a lot of people that are gonna have to do that. Business owners, they're gonna have to reinvent themselves. And it's hard for us to see it in the moment, but looking back, I mean, looking back at my own time, my own journey, I was devastated being laid off so many times and thinking, what am I gonna do? And I've got no purpose and this is all I've known because I didn't know what I know now. And I'm, you know, if right. I'd, if I'd taken the first layoff to jump into life coaching. <laughs> <laughs> if you just would have gotten that email then. I'll work the, I'll work that thought later. Damn it, I should have, I should have found life coaching earlier. I'll work that thought later, but it's, you know, it's, it's hard to see it in the moment when it's happening. And I, I honestly think that globally and with climate change and just society as a whole buying into this workaholic busyness, like social currency right now is I'm busier than you. Right. Here's how hard I'm working. Uh huh. Yes. I'm so busy. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like here's my, I'm going to throw it on the table and I'm busier than you are because right. I worked 80 hours. Oh yeah. Well I worked 90 hours and I didn't sleep. Right. And like it's this bizarre competition for who worked harder that I think we're starting to see shift now that we've been giving ourselves enough space and we're, we're having to become more still. We're having to not distract ourselves with going to bars and parties and whatever. We're, we're at home. We've got the time and space to have the realizations that we need to have that we kept our mind too busy to have before. Is this where you reference that shift in priorities? Yeah. Yeah. So I think people are starting to shift their priorities and what's important, especially when we're looking at keeping family safe. Right. And making decisions now based on other people's health. We're starting to understand where things are important and where things aren't important. And I think it needs to be so drastic because everybody's got to change. The whole world has to change. Mm -hmm. And the only way you're going to do that is with something this drastic. If, if, if people would change some of their priorities just simply on like time management themselves, mm -hmm. helping themselves, mm -hmm. having your time, go for a walk instead of watch TV, Yep. go for a run, lose some weight, mix in a salad. Yep. That's the stuff I wish you would hear from quote unquote, the leaders of whether political parties or anybody, just get yeah. out and work on you. Yeah. Yeah. You've had eight months to work on you, be a better person. Yeah. And yet you still, still you know, we'll take a walk at night because we're fostering a dog and we'll take a Aww. walk at night. And you still see people, you know, with the TV on, sitting on the couch, yeah. doing the same old thing they were doing in January. It's like, you got time, take up a hobby, yeah. learn a craft, learn a language, Make yourself better. I think a lot of people are. I hope. I know. I, I, I have been hearing from people. I mean, I've seen clients friends post cl clients and, and friends even just in my social network saying, you know, my kids have played as much video games as they want to now that that is now boring to them, mm -hmm. that they're picking up books. Well, good. But it had to get to a point of saturation that, right. you know, just, where you've, you've, okay, I've now binged all of Netflix, Hulu, right. there's Amazon, nothing else to watch. there's nothing else to watch. Now I'm going to pick up a book or now I'm going to start a hobby. But we had to have given ourselves those guilty pleasures and indulged in them to such an extent that now that no longer ha holds any fascination. Right. I've just, I've done it all. Yeah. Now what? Yeah. Good. 
good. Where it's like, okay, now I'm, now I'm sick of that. Now, I, now what else? But we needed to have enough time for people to do that to then go, okay, now what else? This isn't, this isn't satisfying me anymore. What am I really looking for? Right. Oh, a good book. Or I want to go for a walk. Or I've always wanted to learn to knit. Or... Yeah, any little hobby. Anything. Like my husband and I are now do stand-up stand paddleboarding. We do that at least twice a week. Do you really? Yeah, we love it. In the harbor? Yeah. How do you like it? I love it. We saw sea turtles. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Did you guys like... You I guys... had no idea there were sea turtles in the harbor. <laughs> but, you know, this is what I happens with COVID. plastic bags. Yes. And... Well, it makes me want to pick up more of the plastic bags right. so they don't yeah. eat them. Did you guys buy boards? Are you renting them? Or what are you doing? We bought the inflatables. Okay. Hey, getting your strong shoulders and core. Oh yeah, yeah. You got to find out real quick kind of a workout that yes, is. Indeed. Yeah, you see them before, and you're like, that looks like nothing. She's standing there. Yes. And you're like, holy it's like, oh, god! I'm sore today. I have muscles right in. No, under my ribs, there's yes. muscles. Yes. For <laughs> yeah. sure. That's great. Do you guys go in the morning or afternoon? Mornings. Okay. Nice and quiet. Nice calm. and quiet and calm and beautiful. Just smooth ride. Yeah. Just you and the breeze. Mm -hmm. And, and the birds and the sea turtles. Sea turtles. And we see some seals, too. Right. That's nice. Yeah, but it's because nobody's boating and right. partying and it's whatever. Slower. It's the slower. slower. So, therefore, the animals are starting to come out. I was reading articles. I don't know if you've seen them pop up about these uh, endangered species or once thought to be endangered species. Yep. That are now popping up everywhere yeah, I around the world because we're finally calming down and everyone's staying inside. They think it's safe enough to come out. Right. I saw that there might be some that have to, not have to, but will luckily come off the certain lists. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's phenomenal. I heard Yellowstone looks like someone just let all the animals out. It's just like everybody's Beautiful. roaming everywhere, doing yeah. everything. Well, and in India, they're finally seeing the Himalayas. Really? Because the smog's cleared. <laughs> they're like, look, there's a mountain. Yes. Yes, Re like because you know well, that, sure. it's that just noticeable difference over years in the industry. You know, the they slowly went away, and not a it, it was so slow and gradual that people didn't notice. But mm -hmm. when you cut everything to a halt, it's like, oh, so this is the possibility. Crap. What what can we do to keep that? Like, what can we change down the way we manufacture to allow that to be something that's still a part of us? So I think that. It's these things that need to happen in such an extreme way that we start to go, okay, I've taken this for granted. How do I shift? Right. What do I do differently to keep this new way of being? Now, you say Himalayas because I know you have two addictions, if you want to call them that. One, you're a hidden shutterbug, which yes. you mentioned to me yes. very early on as an employee of the angels. I always love when someone says, I myself take pictures. <laughs> And I, and I roll my eyes and go, of course you of do. Of course you do. <laughs> yes. But you you are a huge traveler. Yes. Like your passport must just be. Lots of stamps. When they were, yeah. you have them when they were good stamps, like the old ones, like the good ones. Now they're kind of like the generic ones. But like Paris used to have the Eiffel Tower on it. And roll. There are some good ones. You yeah. Still, you yeah. Some? There's some good ones. Like Zanzibar's got a good one. Do they? Yeah. What is it? I don't remember, but, but I just it's remember. A good one. I just remember when, when I saw it, I was like, "Oh yeah." When he slapped oh, it yeah. down, you're like, "That's a winner." Yes. Nice job, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, so where does that uh, love come from? From travel and. I've always been fascinated with other cultures. Okay. I, I mean, I'm fascinated with people. Is probably why I enjoy coaching so much, is I just get to learn about people and what makes them tick. And so, being able to travel and understand other cultures, languages, colors, food, 
music. It's but so people beautiful. people could have a fatuation or love it or really enjoy it. You actually pull the trigger, get on a plane and go. We also don't have kids, so it allows us a little bit more mobility than I think most other You're adults. Lucky son. <laughs> well, yeah, we're at if an my age kids now. Are listening to this, though, I we love you adorably. Yes, yes. But yes. if we didn't, you know, well, we're at an age now where we have the income to be able to travel. You know, right. like in your twenties, you have the ability to travel and the time to travel, but you don't necessarily have the money to travel. That's a hostel. Yes, that's a hostel. And so my husband and I both just really enjoy enjoy it. We don't have kids, so that's how we. That's how you spend your time. That's how we spend our time and our money. And he actually, for the first seven years of his career, he traveled 360 days a year. So he has a ton of airline miles. And so we traveled the first two times to Africa just on his miles. And we still probably have another international trip in there with miles. Wow. Does he just use one airline, American or United? United. Yep. Yep. God love him. Yep. Lots of miles. Where's one of the best places you've gone? Africa. Hands down. Where? Middle? Top? To so we went bottom. to East Africa. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and Sorry. it's totally different. I should be more specific. Know, but but it, you're, you're very right when you say Africa. But if I took you to Egypt and I took you to South Africa. Very different experiences. Totally different. We went to Tanzania and the Serengeti the first time. And that was its own incredible, amazing experience to see. The Great Migration is, <sighs> you have to do it before you die. It is one of those I've, it's a spiritual moment. Really? I've heard people say that. You're looking out. So at the entrance to the Serengeti, they have this little hill that you can walk up and you have this whole panoramic view. And as far as the eye can see across this plain are animals migrating. So you've got wildebeest, buffalo, zebra, and it, there's more black dots out on the horizon than there are stars in the sky when you've been out in, say, Yosemite right. or Yellowstone. There's that many, and it's just this incredible experience to witness the magnitude of those animals that travel every year. Wow. Now, did you plan your first trip around the migration? Or, or? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we knew it was, all, it was both migration as well as the birthing season. We want to see the babies. Okay. I mean, going back to what right. people. <laughs> <laughs> baby animals. Baby animals do it. They it's love baby bait. animals. It's clickbait. Click <laughs> so what time of the month is that then? January. Okay. January, February. How's the weather? A little bit rainy, but pleasant. Okay. What did you expect on that trip? Like, how do you pack? It's your first trip to Africa. Like, do you go buy your layers, fa- layers, fire yeah. jacket? You yep, know, look- yep, yep. Well, yeah, you want to blend in with the background. You don't want to stand out. Yeah, Last you, thing you want is a lion to your 1980s outfit of neon is yes, not your no. way to go. <laughs> no, not at all. Breaking out that old wham shirt, you know? No, not it. No, you want to blend in. Okay. There's a reason for that. Yeah. So... What are you expecting on that first trip to Africa? Which I say that, it just sounds so romantic. It is spectacular. And I don't think, we, we knew going into that we wanted to see the animals, but when you actually see them out in the wild, it is breathtaking. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Damn it, that sounds so good. It is. You're, I, we would spend hours, hours just watching them. We took 20,000 photos on that first trip. Oh, I thought you were going to say that first day. No. <laughs> wow. 20,000 photos that, that trip, which is... How, how long was that trip? A week? 10 days? It was a week. We did a week of safari, and then we did a week in Zanzibar on the beach. Jeez. And it was... Now how far is one from the other? Um, you have to take a puddle jumper. Okay. Yeah, a couple hours, or how far is that migration from the ocean? 
Like to the when you say beat. So we, I want to say it was probably an hour flight. Okay. That wasn't bad. Okay. But we we traveled, so we did like Minyara, Nagoro Crater, uh, and the Serengeti, and then we ended up flying then from there out to out to Zanzibar. But that was so incredible. My husband and I kind of said, okay, we're never going to go to the same place twice. There's too many places in the world to visit to ever do the same type of trip twice in a row. Okay. And within two days of being there, we both looked at each other and said, do you think we could come back next year? (laughs) It was that 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 incredible. Unbelievable. You threw that rule right out the window. Threw it right out the window. And then we said, okay, well, maybe we'll go somewhere a little bit different. And that's when we went to South Africa the second time. Would you think the trip would be different if you did it at a different time of the year, whether you would see things? Probably. Okay. Yeah. Next on my list, though, I want to do gorilla trekking. Really? Yeah. So what, what, what is that on the brochure? Like, how do you... You, you have to know the right travel agent that can right, yeah. get those figured out. But yeah, you basically hike three or four hours up into, you know, the rainforest and, to, and they know where the different families of them live and you get within eight to 10 feet. So if someone sees an attractive woman at Central Park in Huntington Beach with a large backpack on her shoulder hiking through the hills, you're practicing for your (laughs) trek through. Because, I mean, three or four hours. Oh, yeah. It's a trek. And you got, you know, a machete and you're cutting. Yeah, it's not a sidewalk. No. There's not like Mm -mm -mm. a little escalator. You just... No, no, you gotta get your, you know, malaria gonna, shots and everything yeah. else. Oh. But it's a, it's an, yeah, yeah, it's an adventure. It's African queen. Yeah, it's gonna be it an is. adventure. Yeah. Wow. But that's a good one. Yeah. I love me my animals. Yeah. Okay. So first trip was when to Africa? What year? Twenty fourteen. Okay. If you, and I, I'll rephrase this again. Or say this again. Like, what would you tell Jen to do different in fourteen on that trip? Nothing. Trip, just. Go take it all in. Yep. It's breathtaking. Yes. Where are you going next? What do you got on your list? Peru. Peru? Yes. Ooh. That's actually already planned and booked for April, May. Wow. What's the goal? What do, what do you need to see? The Sacred Valley. Okay. Machu Picchu. And actually, it's a plant medicine trip. And they're closing that down soon, right? Are they saying Machu Picchu's they, on They a... keep threatening that, but I don't quite know if that's going to be reality. Okay. They say that because they, there's so many people on the trail that it's starting to disintegrate, but I think they've found ways of protecting it, and they've started to limit the amount of people. Okay. A friend of mine, Christy, did it. She said it was just absolutely stunning. Yeah. Just worth every walk of it. Mm. And you went to Chile. Yep, Chile. Most people, and Argentina. That's tough to get to. That's a hell of a flight. It is a heck of a flight, for sure. Yeah. What did you think of that, South America? It's completely different. I mean, it is such intense weather that even the people that have businesses down there only stay for part of the year. Really? Yeah. So in the winter, it completely shuts down. Like, people move out. Is there winter or summer? Yes. Okay. I think. Are they? But it's not like our December is our December, right? No, 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 no. When did you go? We went, that's a good question. We might have gone in March, April. Okay. But it was... And we were in the fall, so we were going into the winter season, and it was still extreme weather. And for that being the time of year to travel, you either want to do fall or spring. Um, It's still so intense that you've got 90-mile-an-hour winds. I mean, you're looking at glaciers, and you're bundled up. I mean, it was— You got the altitude. You got every—I mean, we went went on the hike up the W Trail, and it took us— 
want to say it's a 2,500-foot elevation change. It took us all day. We left at sunrise, and we came back at sunset. And so you hike wow. up to the top. But we went through, like, all seasons. There was one point where we're stripping down because it was sunny and hot, and we're sweating. And then next thing you know, it's snowing, and we've got all our layers back on. Oh, jeez. And it was back in, I mean, it was like calm and then windy temperature and dropping it just, it's and you're on altitude yeah i mean it's like one minute to the next you could never predict the weather there even the locals can't predict the weather it's just constantly changing Chile's on my list I, I, that country's always fascinated me it's beautiful and the food is phenomenal really yeah especially to your heart's content just all that beautiful real food yeah especially if you're a meat eater right yeah a lot of meat all in go for it <laughs> in argentina how was that? So we did Patagonia, which goes over both Chile and Argentina. Right. So we flew into Santiago, and we spent a couple days in Santiago, and then we went down to the tip. Um, and then we basically traveled back and forth. And then we ended up flying up to Iguazu Falls, which is on the border of Argentina and Brazil. Okay. And that was an amazing trip as well. Um, the waterfalls are spectacular. <sighs> and what I what surprised me and I didn't realize going into it was there's millions of butterflies that just land on you and give you kisses. Really? Yeah. So you're just walking along and you're sweating because it's so hot and humid. And they're just landing on you and they're licking off your sweat. That's nice. What a wonderful little <laughs> But it's it, it, right. there are these beautiful It's better than colors. leeches. Right. It's, well, they're not sucking your blood, right, obviously. Right, they're know. just but, you know, thirsty. thirsty. <laughs> but, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's got to be just, yeah. just gorgeous. So it's this gorgeous tropical rainforest, and you're looking at toucans and monkeys and <sighs> all kinds Man, of things. Sounds it's, like, and you're just taking as many pictures as you could. Yeah. Photographer's Wonderland. Oh, man. See, that's the thing. I don't know if I can go with a camera because it would just become a photo adventure. I just would lose my mind and just be like, ah, oh, I got to be here at dawn. I got to wait till sunset. And just, it's kind of hard sometimes as the photographer to take it all in because you're just snapping yeah, away. But as a photographer, if you didn't I have know. it, <laughs> I know. You'd be like without your arms. <laughs> right. I know. I know. Oh, my God. I mean, how? I, okay, so. You're an amateur photographer. You're not a professional photographer, right? So you're going in. What is the game plan for you, like, when you're taking these pictures? You're, are you thinking, I'm going to take as many beautiful pictures as I want? Are you documenting the trip? Or are you looking at certain animals? All of the above, Just yeah. Just having yeah. a hell of a yeah. good time. Well, in Africa, you're working with a tracker, and so they sure. know they're going to want you to see all the animals and they'll stop when they know and so there's there were some instances where like oh they're nocturnal and you wouldn't normally see them out and we're seeing saber cats and um wow. you know and foxes and all kinds of things that normally would be out at nighttime in the middle of the day and they'll just slam on the brakes and then another point in time there was a dung beetle who was rolling a ball of dung and i was amazed that he saw this we're driving along this dirt road and he like slams on the brakes and asks us to get out and we're looking at this little teeny tiny little <laughs> there's a bug with poo <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he's explaining that you know his his mate made a nest and laid her eggs and they're rolling this over so when they wake up and come out and hatch they're They've got so something romantic. to eat. It's so romantic. But it's fascinating it to is. me. It and is. And I, I must have taken 20 pictures of <laughs> dung beetle. If, only in Africa. Only well, in Africa. Well, you pause and take a picture of a bug with poo. You can see that in Huntington Beach. You're like, nah, whatever. I'm good, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Sure. That's disgusting. But yes, but in Africa, you do that. You well, got to. Because it's unbelievable. Phenomenal. And just hearing the animals, like a lion's roar. Oh, did you sleep in tents? What did you guys do? We did. How was that? 
that noise you don't, you know, you're not hearing PCH, but now you're hearing nature. The noise wasn't, the noise was fine because I enjoyed hearing the munch on grass and stuff in the middle of the night. The interesting part about being in a tent without running water, mm. especially in Tanzania without refrigeration, mm. we had a lot of emodium. <laughs> And being that this was our honeymoon, we had 10 flushes in the toilet allowed because they, they carry buckets of water in for your toilet. And then they also heat the water and then knock on your tent and go, okay, your shower's ready. And they dump it into this little thing and you pull this lever and you get, you know, your, water. your two minutes of water. How romantic is that? <laughs> 10 flushes. Which do you, you use up. a chalkboard? You gotta like well, remember and you double up? You, you use it up when you're having food that hasn't been refrigerated. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> so it's an experience in a yeah, tent. That's slightly different than a hotel. You came back 12 pounds lighter. <laughs> yes, we did. Oh, that sounds like so much fun though. Oh, it was Regardless a blast. of bad spoiled meat. Yes. It just sounds like No, a... it was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. God. Man, kids are so overrated. <laughs> so overrated. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, what other, is there any other continents you've been to or any other adventures you've gone on? That... I still want to do Antarctica. Well, you were in Asia, right? Didn't you go? <clears throat> I did. I went to Bali last year. I led a retreat. I led a grief retreat. Wow. Wait a minute. Hold on. Pump the brakes. A yeah. grief retreat to uh, Bali? Yeah. You didn't want to go to like, to like Arrowhead? You went all the way to Bali? Went all the way to Bali. How does that work out? What do you guys do? I had a friend that lived there, and okay. she was co-facilitating, so that helps Still, a little bit. but you like, let's go on a retreat to Bali. Yes, because it's a spiritual place. Very much so, yeah. And when people want to have that space and time to really do the grieving that we talked about before, you need a complete break. Okay. And, you know, not have internet, not have distractions. That's nice, And it's too. a beautiful place to do that. That is a, yeah. I think people forget sometimes it's really nice to disconnect. Mm-hmm. Just the phone doesn't work. Yep. How, how long were you guys there? Two weeks. Oh. oh. The retreat itself was a week, but, you know, Still, right. I, had to, I had to do. Absolutely. I'd be disappointed right. if you did it either way. <laughs> we got to get out of here right away and get a five o'clock flight. Yes. No. Oh. What uh, What impressed you? What was one of the favorite things? The, the culture there, the people are so giving and spiritual in that they will give offerings throughout the day to their ancestors and spirits and before they feed themselves, they feed the altars, they put food down, they put sweets down. I mean, it's just they're even when you arrive, they tell you, you need to ask permission from Mother Earth to be here. So go down to the ocean to make an offering and ask her permission to be here. Otherwise, you're going to be sick. Wow, they're very nature intense. <clears throat> intense. Absolutely. And so... But they're they're just these happy, giving, loving people. We we stayed at this one house, and the uh, the the Airbnb person who owned it invited us to come down to this fire ceremony. The entire village plays a part in this fire dance performance that they give for whoever wants to come. Wow! Now I'm going to sound naive here. What languages do they speak? Is that French? Um, it's Balinese. Okay. All right. I, I didn't know through colonization if they were at one point speaking French or something. So Balinese. Uh, no, they were a Dutch colony. Dutch. So Dutch, okay. 
Dutch's some people do Touches still speak it. Dutch. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Like you go to Africa and there's, you know, you got different languages, yes. and you're like, oh, we speak you know, French. Who colonized it? Huh? What? Yeah. yeah. You are a lucky lady. That sounds like I am quite very an adventure. Blessed. Yeah. And very then blessed. you gave me this beautiful gift. Aww. This book here that you that you actually now how would you say how many four years five years of grading? Yeah, about five years. Yeah. Now, let's talk about the book. Okay. What makes you think like? You know what? I got a lot of pictures here. Let's put a book together. So I'll admit that I have a lot of compare and despair when I compare my <laughs> photography to professional photographers. Dude, no, 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 no. So, You're so, a great photographer because it's you. There's don't ever compare yourself to that person or that person. Thank you. Because it, yeah, yeah. But it's part of my story. I get. So I, I, you know, would look at my photos and go, okay, they're they're nice for me for an amateur, right. and you know, I can show them to friends and you know, post a Flickr and have my fun. Ooh. Yeah. And then I was at a, a boutique store, and somebody had a, a book that was on the shelf that I thought the photos in it weren't spectacular. And I was like, I could actually do better than this. And they're selling it in a store. So what if I were to pair it with some of my coaching stuff? And it doesn't have to be fantastic photos because it's still got value to it. Right. And then I actually surprised myself. So. <laughs> so. How are you archiving? Did you go back to your, like, I'm looking at this rhino, this yeah. Africa trip, and try to find it? Or when you put your photos in, do you put in dates and times? Or how do you archive to find your stuff? So we archive the albums according to trip and dates. Okay. And then I flag the photos that I love. Okay. And then I usually upload my favorites to collections. Okay. And then so from there, I actually had my friends vote on which ones they thought should go <laughs> in the book. <laughs> It's <laughs> very dancing of the stars of you or something. <laughs> I'll have people text in and vote. Yes. So are you happy with the book? I am happy with the book. And you did all the writing. I did. Which I'm, I'll have to read tonight because it's, it's nice. I got a, a quiet night tonight. For, uh, you know, you, like I'm looking at this giraffe. This is like Not just. Not cool. That was that right is, time, right place, right time right there. Absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. How much work did you put into this? Nine months. Jesus, you had to give birth to a book. I gave birth to a book. And you had an editor? I had an editor. And they do the layout? I hired, uh, yeah, I hired a designer to do the layout. Wow. I had an idea of what I wanted and... Good for you, publishing a book. That is... It's more than I expected it to be from yes, a but work you... perspective, but I did it. I persevered and said, this is what I'm doing, and I'm very proud of the fact that I did it. So, like, on this trip to Africa... How much gear do you take? What are you taking? Um, I think I had a 300. My husband had a 500. You want as close as you can possibly sure, get. Right. And then, um, uh, Did you rent that or buy those? He rented his 500 and I had a 300. Okay. Um, and then we, we brought both a tripod and a monopod, but I ended up just using the monopod. Right. And they yeah. have... On the vehicles themselves... This line's gorgeous. They'll add, you know... Um, Mounts, mounts get, to right. it, but I found that because your car's in different angles, it was never perfect anyways, that a monopod was the easiest way to right. stabilize the camera. Yeah, I mean... Especially with the amount of zoom that we were working with. Right, because <clears throat> so many times you've got to have a long zoom to get out there to those And then animals. you're just constantly taking photos, hoping that one of them's going to be good. Right. Jeez. Was there one photo from, like, the Africa trip that you're like, that was the best one? The cover. The cover. Was there one you missed? You're like, oh, I wish I could have gotten one more shot at 
that guy. He didn't look the left or he looked right. Or So you look at, there's a cheetah. I don't know what page. But there's a mom cheetah with three cubs. Okay. And I, I almost got them all looking in the same direction towards the camera. But there's one that's hidden behind the mom that you can't really tell is hidden. But it would have been phenomenal. I was changing cards when the the third oh. cub got up on the <laughs> got up on the termite mound. I was like, oh, changing what a time to be cards. changing cards. Don't move, hold it. <laughs> exactly. Oh uh, yeah, the old changing cards get you every time. How much? How, I mean, you you really do enjoy photography. I love it. It's. I mean, you're you're taking wonderful photos for uh, beautiful locations. Like this guy's gorgeous. Thank you. This little cub. Uh, are you gonna just keep shooting as much as you can? Yeah. That's good. I mean, this yeah. is therapeutic. This it is, is fun. therapeutic. It's so much fun, and I, I'm just fascinated with it, especially this since this is beautifully backlit, and this is gorgeous. Thank you, and you can see all the flies around his head yeah. too, which is fun. I, I find that it brings me back to those moments, and I can relive those vacation moments like I know exactly where I was with each one of those photos taken right and what was happening you know. exactly and so they just takes me back so from that in and of itself being able to go back through photos and ex- re-experience some of my favorite moments then, of life then you wrote in here like a little journal so you they're, know, these yeah, coaching they're, they're coachy-esque type things to right. help people try to think differently so for example there's a starscape that talks about, you know, only in our darkest moments do stars become visible. So what are the darkest moments of your life and what stars became visible? This is this does not look like Huntington Beach, this photo. Where is this at? This is that gorgeous. is Huntington. I know. Where is this at? Down the street from my house. Are you planting wild flowers? <laughs> well, it was spring, so everything right. was green and in bloom, and then it was a windy day, so it had some fun movement in that one. That's cool. i got to visit your house. Jeez, this is gorgeous. You're welcome to come on over. Bring the wife. All right. We'll open a bottle of wine. Oh, it's off. Or two. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> well, good for you. So they can find this in on Amazon? They can't find it on Amazon. Um, the preference would be to go to my website, which is jenbauerhealing.com. So Jen with two N's, Bauer is B-A-U-E-R, healing.com. Buy a book for the holidays. Absolutely. I got myself one. I just got to get it autographed. It is. I, oh, look at you. It's so sweet. I even have really? a note for you in the video. Oh, my God. Now I, gotta, now I really feel bad. <laughs> I got a sticker for you. <laughs> No, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. This was fun to catch up and reconnect. Absolutely. Thank you for the taking your time, coming down. I know you had to drive all the way in from you know long distance Huntington <laughs> Beach where they're growing wonderful flowers on the sand. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're doing great. Likewise. Last, last time, you know, the weird part is they let you go while I was in Arizona, so I never even got to say goodbye. I know. So this is actually the first time I've seen you oh, that's right. since... I probably saw you before I left for spring training in, what was yeah. that, 15? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, 15. Yeah, 15, yeah like 16. in January. Yeah. Like, oh, I'll see you in six weeks. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then gone. I'm glad I got to catch up with you. Likewise. Let's, Thank you so much for yeah, your time. let's do it again. Absolutely. All right. You're the best. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. This is Matt Brown, and you listen to Just a Good Conversation. Please hit the subscribe button as well as the like button. You can always follow us on Instagram and Twitter as well as the website, 